Storymakers. I'm Angie Powers. I'm Elizabeth Stark. And this is Storymakers Show. And today on Storymakers, we're going to talk about simplicity. It sounds like a domestic art or a mm-hmm. magazine. But <laughs> um, yeah, this came up in class today and we thought... Why not? Well, we weren't, I noticed we weren't, we weren't talking about it, mostly me, in a very simple way. And so I thought, well, let's, let's save it for a podcast. Mm-hmm. So we're going to get into it now. Right. But first, that is you... simplicity and story. Okay. First, what are you working on? Well, I am revising and um, I have, I read through my thing in an e-document and made lots of notes. Mm-hmm. And then meanwhile, I also was journaling every morning. And so I had lots of notes and I continue to make lots of notes. So I'm consolidating. Oh, and I also make notes sometimes in Evernote on my phone. So I'm consolidating nice. all those notes into Scrivener. <laughs> Just like every, how many different uh, software programs and apps and things can we possibly need when people used to just have a to- tablet and a chisel? But anyway, <laughs> so anyway, I'm gathering all of those notes from different sources. And um, I just sort of decided spontaneously because I've, I've been grappling with the order to go through these things. And one thing that I know intellectually is that, that I've learned only intellectually, is that it's better to do small edits mm-hmm. last mm-hmm. because you end up, you know, fiddling and making some sentence perfect and then it just ends up being cut. But I did do some editing, not a lot. I mean, the truth is most of this is very finely edited at this point. Mm-hmm. But um, but I have in my e-document like a mixture of notes from large to small. And I actually think, partly because I'm going to move the order around, that I'm just, it's going to be easier for me at this point to go through all my notes in order and like massage my way through the whole book. And just while I'm going, I'm going to make these few line edits. Right. Just so that I don't have to like go back and hunt them down later. And also because they might all be places that give me a way in. Some of them are. They're like ways I'm trying to fiddle with the emotional tenor and those kinds of things. And so that's really part, a lot of what this pass is about. So I think that it just makes sense to do that and to try to do like one big push mm-hmm. this week, you know. Nice. I will, the other thing I will say is that we have talked in last week's episode about my taking my time. And I realized, you know, almost immediately that what I meant by that was a week mm-hmm. <laughs> or, you know, that – and it, um, I don't know. That, that it, what I meant by take my time was that I might have you read it before I send it back to my agent. You know, okay, yeah. Fast. Sounds good. <laughs> I don't really want to take my time. But it's great advice. Okay. <laughs> well, you know what I mean. It's hard to do. It's I've been taking so much time. I mean, it's all taking so much time. Right. There's an interesting thing, though, about some of this theory about math teaching mm-hmm. and one of the sort of slogans. So Angie has been teaching math. So one of the slogans, though, is go slow to go faster. And the idea... My mom would talk about get your rhythm, get your rhythm going, and then slowly speed up. Right. And this one was more about take the time to really make sure that the foundations are there and that the pieces that kids need are there. Right. And... What you'll do is in the beginning of the year or the beginning of your process, people will be slower because they're comprehending something new. But if you've really taken the time to let that sink in and happen, then you will have right. a, well, an ability to go much, much faster. I'm doing that. I mean, I, I am really thinking about things and I'm having ideas and not 
committing to them and kind of considering them and often saying, oh, no, that's not really, I don't really need that. So I'm trying. Mm-hmm. Yeah, how about you? What are you working on? You know, I was actually, gosh, where was I? I dropped the kids off at LARP. Live action role play. And on my way back, I was just really struck by just the weather, right? And how there's some brilliantly bright blue sky and some bright white clouds. But there's also... Clouds that were really dark, dark gray. I mean, it was just this really beautiful juxtaposition of storm and clear. And I thought about how we are always try to sort of separate ourselves from what's actually happening in the weather. So I have this uh, story idea that I am about to start researching. I'm really interested in some stuff about weather and about sort of people's relationship to weather. So that's great. I feel like I just, <laughs> I was like, I just was seeing some, somebody else already wrote it. Is what no, you're telling me? Just something about weather, just something small about weather. But anyway, that's really exciting. And then of course it rained in the middle of a sunny day. Right. And then there was a beautiful rainbow yesterday. There was, yeah. there was ramen and rainbows. A rainbow over the Rialto. Yes. <laughs> Speaking of which, we are going to be having a screening of the film that Angie wrote, directed, produced, and I also produced called Lost in the Middle in April. And so next week's episode, we'll talk exactly about the date because we're just, we were down to two dates. Mm -hmm. And um, some of our, hopefully all of our stars will be there. Guinevere Turner will be there. Lex Vaughn will be there. And then we'll see who else shows up. Angie we're will be there. We're hoping that as Everybody, much of our cast right? can be there. Yeah. And crew. it's going to be a fundraiser. So anyway, we'll have much, much more about that next week. But it's it's brewing and it's April. Yes. So mark your whole month of April and we'll let you know more. Sounds good. All right. So simplicity. Mm-hmm. So this came up. Why did this come up? It came up because we were talking about the importance of... Um, somebody was talking about paring something down. Mm-hmm. And and you were like, yay, simplicity, right? Yeah, no, I think that they just had a lot of plot moving parts. Mm-hmm. And we were sort of separating out the idea of complicated plot and character depth. Right. So, um, and there's always a, I always misquote Matt Bird. So I've pulled out the actual piece and, and I will go through some of that. But I thought... It might be interesting to start with you because you went from, you know, super intuitive storytelling, writing 500 pages, mm-hmm. and then kind of got to and really got this deep connection to like the seven steps and the step list and things that lead you, I think, very deeply because of the way you teach into an, an understanding of character that you end up talking a great deal about character when, you know, you're teaching sort of plot mm-hmm. <laughs> right you don't even call it plot right you call it story development because mm-hmm. it's, it's sort of the inextricable like mesh of character and plot right yes so talk about the simplicity the role of simplicity in your writing and teaching well I think ultimately for me and this is probably one of the hardest things to do and I don't think what it's is? being simple because mm, a gift <laughs> But I think that it's probably not even unique to narrative work. I think 
So much of our lives is about how do we strip out what doesn't matter. And something that's truly simple doesn't mean that it isn't deep. Mm-hmm. And doesn't mean that there isn't an opportunity to have that full-blown uh, experiential intellectual moment. It's that it's an uncluttered expression. And I think for me, that's definitely a, um, a hard thing to start with. I mean, ironically, I think it's easier to start with complicated craziness. Well, that's what, you know, so when we think about character from the inside, from our inside ourselves, we are not very easy to, we don't seem simple to ourselves. We don't seem easy to analyze. We don't seem easy to understand. We are, you know, it doesn't seem like this is the important thing and everything else can be let go. Right. And I do think that one of the reasons I like the kind of structure work that I've been taught and that I work with is because I don't start in the simplest place. And Authent- it, your, you yourself. Yeah. I mean, I think that like I look at these things and I get super excited by an idea. And having these sort of higher level tools let me, lets me do some iterations before I start writing. Right. So to get clear, because I think in order to be simple, you have to be clear. And that is really challenging. I mean, one of the you know, I've, I think each time I've talked about this, I've talked about oh, I'm getting simpler and simpler with this book, and I've dropped so many subplots and elements and all sorts of things. But the, this pass is about emotional simplicity, and not in the sense of not sophisticated or, or not caricature, mature, right? None of that. But but that but that I have, you know, I mean, I often feel. Very, on the one hand, this, on the other hand, that, right? That's sort of mm-hmm. my approach to things. And so it's it's easy for me to create characters who feel, you know, sort of conflicting emotions. Right. So, um, yeah. So, so this is, so this is. So but conflicting emotions aren't hard. I think, aren't, I guess what I'm saying when I say simple is that we, hide our lack of clarity in complexity. We're like, oh, this is nuanced. Like, oh, you're not getting it. It's like, actually, no, I don't think you are getting it. (laughs) And we have a really hard time because, of course, you're not going to boil down a masterwork of, you know, literature to, like, two sentences. Like, that's not going to happen. And at the same time, you... Haiku. Unless it's a haiku. Or a doublet or whatever, something. (laughs) But at the same time, like, you should be able to say, well, if someone came up to you and said, like, um, this book is about, I don't know, let me think of something. You know, this book is really about, like, everyone talks about the Wizard of Oz having all these sort of background things or whatever. Which it does. Sure. Yet, if that was really what it was about, the story wouldn't hold up. Right, we wouldn't right. we wouldn't hold on to this idea of being whisked away, right? So it's really, it's not just about like whatever his theoretical framework was. It's about a an underdog going in to a completely strange world and finding a way to succeed. But and also, really, it's about somebody trying to get home. Mm-hmm. Right. So that and this is actually so this is this draft 
one of the things that 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 has happened is um in really i mean just how many times have i had to do this but like really getting to what is going to motivate her in the strongest most mm-hmm. sympathetic way um i've had to change things about her spouse's emotions mm-hmm. and um Anyway, there's a lot of dog barking in the far distance, but, um, and so there are moments that are very real feeling, emotionally mm-hmm. real and, you know, visually sensation, sensationally, <laughs> sensately real, mm-hmm. uh, sensually, but, and, and you can put those, you can put contradictory moments in a character side by side and they will make sense because that's very human. Mm-hmm. But in terms of the deep story that I'm after, it's um, it. I am sort of untying some of those knots and saying, okay, not this one, just this one. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So shall I read the? Yeah, read your quote, and then I'll the share my quote. You have your quote, and um, yeah. All right. So this is from the Secrets of Story by Matt Bird, and we have another episode where we chatted with Matt Bird, and I will put a link to that in the show notes. And so he has, in this book, he has these series of questions. And so the first question under the section story fundamentals is, is the concept simple enough to spend more time on character than plot? Mm-hmm. And he talks about like starting out, like having a weakness for overly complicated plots and that, it, that something felt like a movie when it had like lots of twists and turns and crazy reveals and all kinds of just stuff happening big enough stuff and all of that and piling on all of those twists and escalations and reveals and then he had to have these really huge scripts that were way too long and um and even when he pared them down to you know 119 pages or whatever <laughs> you know he, he said a lot was happening to my heroes but they had little time to think about it or react to it they there certainly wasn't any time to pre-establish what their expectations were before a scene happened so nothing had any irony when it hit Mm-hmm. Right. So I mm-hmm. love that. He said, I eventually realized my heroes were going on massive external journeys and teensy weensy internal journeys. <laughs> and then he talks about like, you know, the first in- instinct was to add some character scenes. Right. Like, add some, add, and, but he said, I was already out of room. And even if I shaved off another plot twist to give them some rumination time, it was sort of too little too late. And, and then he says, here's the problem. When I was asking, does it feel like a movie? I thought the keyword was movie, but I should have focused on the word feel. Mm. Right? So mm-hmm. amplify not moviness but feeling and kind of not having the characters have to explain the plot, that the plot be self-explanatory and that um Well I think, you know, it would be interesting and um maybe we can explore this at some other point, but to take a scene that we love and to take out the feeling. Mm. And to read that back. So, you know, Although our I don't think you really could take out the feeling. Well, if you know, it's today well part of what came up with the simplicity stuff, and, and I'm sort of reminded is, is, you know, you they're not separate activities. Like when your character is in a scene mm-hmm. and they're reacting to what's happened, right. um, even if it's third person, what they see, what they think, yeah, the particulars they, of the details, details and you, the way they're share, described, all of it. Yeah. Those are all the things that then are preloading the next scene. Right. And even just the next beat of this scene. Exactly. Right? All of that. So they're not, they're, they're all woven together, which makes it really challenging to sort of, you know, say this is what it happens. But I was thinking about, 
when you pull out those things from scenes, you end up again with like why sort of this numb feeling. It's like I don't really know why I should care or how like if it doesn't seem to matter to my character, why would it matter to my reader kind of thing. So um, I just think it might be interesting. Okay, so say we, we say we managed to take the feeling out of the scene, mm-hmm. then what? Well, then I think you would see exactly what he's talking about. Like, one, you would still see that the actions are not that complicated. Mm-hmm. And then, I mean, even his fight scene, like, from the, you know, right. born identity, pretty clear, yeah. right? He's running from this very, you know, he's instinctually fighting for his own life, but he's also searching for you know, his identity. Which and is what's so pieces. great about it, right? I mean, you love, it's fun. Like the thriller mm-hmm. element is fun with the little European car and all that. I really remember but that movie. But in the scene where he's that. in the house with the woman he's um, gotten a ride with mm-hmm. and he can tell that there's now somebody outside who's going to sort of attack them. So, but he's become emotionally attached to this woman. So the, so her safety becomes an additional emotional anchor to the importance of him succeeding in the scene. It isn't just his own life in that scene. It's her life as well. And I think that's often, like, that's a perfect example of a certain point. We don't really care if it's just one person's life. Right, right. It's relational, really. Yeah. It's, and it's not even just her life. It's that her, her life sort of makes him human. Right, mm-hmm. his his concern for her life, yeah, his love for her makes him human. Yes, and so we want him to go down that road. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so so Matt Bird sort of says you you sort of want half a movie's plot or half a book's plot for a whole book because you want the other half to be all of that emotional resonance and characterization. And one of the things that keeps coming up with our students when they take those scene lists mm-hmm. and they start writing is that scenes are longer than they think. Mm-hmm. Scenes you know, have to unfold and then there are these beats and it's like each each moment has some kind of turn, some revelation, some build, something's going on, some significance. Right. Or it doesn't need to be there. Right. And so if it has significance, it, it has a certain kind of nuance, a certain detail that takes time, takes room. And so all of this, so, and so, you know, therefore, if you have a certain amount of plot, it's going to unfold like those... And that's my... Sponges. That's what <laughs> I tried. Kids. I don't know what that is. You but know anyway. the kids' little toys that you like put in water and they expand? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Um, but that's sort of also what I'm trying to get at when I talk about emotional logic. Because, again, putting some, you know, two different characters with two different emotional bases, they're going to make different choices presented with the same situation. And so... Thinking about that and thinking about the, um, you know, going back to the born identity, right? Like, so somebody else is going to be like, hmm, my phone's dead. I'm in the snow. I'm going to get under my bed. (laughs) Right. I'm just going to hope it passes. (laughs) Whereas, you know, Jason Bourne is like, I'm going to go into the snow and I'm going to, you know, he, Without a jacket. And he doesn't even know why. Right. Right. He doesn't know why he can do what he can do. So that's really mm-hmm. a part of it, too. I mean, it's part right. of the character question. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what's your quote? My quote is possibly from Albert Einstein. Mine is Matt Bird. Yours is Albert Einstein. <laughs> or Louis Zukowski. Or Roger Sessions. Or William of Ockham. 
famous for his razor. <laughs> Not for real. Yeah. Oh, Occam's razor. Yeah. Is William. Well, first of all, when you have a person who has a first name and their middle name is of, you know it's a long time ago. <laughs> and yes, Occam's razor comes from William Occam and uh, maybe anonymous. anonymous. So uh, we're looking woman. at this website called <laughs> Quote Investigator, and they kind of trace down the veracity That's of particular quotes. Yeah. And it's fun because you look in the comments section and people are like, well, this is what my research says. So it's a fun community. So maybe Einstein said, everything should be made as simple as possible, but not simpler. And I think what that means is there is a way, like if you have clarity, you can make almost anything accessible to almost anyone. And I've seen a video where a woman explains quantum computing to like, I think a fourth grader, right? And so it's this really complex idea, but it can be broken down into these component, some simpler parts. But there is a point after which you lose meaning. Mm -hmm. And I think that's when you've gone past the simpler, when you've gone too simple. Right, 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 right. Fabulous. Well, I think that's a perfect place to wrap up this simple conversation about simplicity. Two simple people having a simple conversation. And it is time for... Steal this. Amateur poets borrow. Professional poets steal. (laughs) What if you come across in your readings and wanderings that you would like to take? And make your own. All right. And... Well, this week, I have been doing a lot of thinking about systems. and Just this week, though. Just this week. Just for the first time yeah. ever. Um, and I am thinking about family systems and things like that. Mm. And I think about um, sort of how you go through that process of sort of breaking down what the system is, what the system does and what the inputs and outputs are. So if you were to look at a family system, for example, like what, it, what does a family system do? What's its job? What, what are the inputs, right? Mm-hmm. There's people who are the inputs but, and people that are the outputs. At the same time, there's other things that are inputs and outputs. And so I'm just sort of thinking about those pieces because, you know, you have um, Virginia Satir was a family therapist who kind of inaugurated the ideas of family systems. So, um, are you stealing from her? Yeah. All right. (laughs) Well, I just started reading Paul takes the form of a mortal girl. Mm -hmm. And, um, and so I, I have to, I'd have to think to analyze it more and, and maybe I'll circle back next week, but, um, it's, it's a book that makes me, want to write it's a book that kind of the the rhythms of it there's something about the the writing that's really strong and engaging and also kind of encourages me to tap into something deep in my own kind of the rhythms of my own writing voice and so um so I just want to sort of use it as fuel (laughs) 